Thank you for listening to one out of four experts. I'm Brutey the Dragon. Remember, these humans are not real experts. Enjoy the show. Welcome to One of the Four Experts, the show where each time my co-host and I endeavor to bring you topics of interest, topics and subjects that just one episode or week or what have you ago, we knew basically nothing about. Each segment, one of the four of us will be your expert and the rest of us are going to just switch pants and see who's the biggest and see who's the smallest. Ooh, except when we all switch pants, we realize Uh, it's Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. With all four of our pantses. Yeah, so we, they can, all, we all can wear each other's pants, yeah. and they're all the perfect fit. Yeah. Joel's taking off his nine belts right now, <laughs> as you can hear. Oh, he's not wearing any underwear. Try to give me some Foley action there. <laughs> uh, I am Chris. Thank you. I'm Josh. I'm Joel. And I'm Caitlin. Cool. Uh, Caitlin. Yeah. You came in first place last time. Oh, yeah, that's right. You beat the game. For the second time in a row. Oh, yeah. All right, so I decided that I, I'll not go first again, because who needs that? Oh, whoa. Um, but I'll go second, and to determine who will go first, um, I will ask you a question, and whoever's answer I like the best. Okay, so it doesn't have to be the right yeah, answer. Yeah, it'll be like cool. a subjective There's question. There's not a right answer. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. okay. Good. If you were to give me, oh, all right, it's my birthday, oh, no. and you've all chosen to give me a clock. What kind of clock would you give me? Oh, I know the the one with the the one that's a cat that has the eyes that go back and forth. And oh, the good tail. choice. Okay, I would give you a Lego clock that you'd have to build. Okay, I'd give you the one from Shrek where they sing the Duloc song. Ooh, okay. Oh shit, that's um, a good clock. Good. Yeah. Wait, is that a clock? Well, it w- that's what it would do. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> they, they'd come out. Is that just like, like, like you know how every cues? hour like a cuckoo clock? Ooh, but yes. They'd come out and sing the Duloc song. Okay, cool. so mm. Chris will go first because I was hoping I was hoping for a cuckoo clock. <laughs> 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 I I was hoping for like I was hoping for like some little Swedish people to come out and be like or something. See, that's, and, like, and that's exactly what I thought when I looked at you when you said that. Exactly. So. Um so that's the the Duloc clock is um the Duke clock. <laughs> <laughs> was the closest. So. Uh, are you going to just determine the entire order? Or are you just saying you're going second, Chris is first? So Josh and I fight to the death for yeah, the last two exactly, spots. exactly. Cool, All okay. Right. <clears throat> okay, so then I will go. So this week, I want to talk about something that I think we all probably know a little bit about, or you've we've all heard of it. I know for sure Caitlin knows about it because she <laughs> brought it up in the last episode, and then I made a little mental note like, that might be a good topic. Mm. And then I did it. Those are good topics. Yeah. So hopefully this one is too. So uh, I want to talk about false memory, Ooh. which is a psychological phenomenon where a person recalls something that did not happen or they remember specific details differently than how it actually happened. Oh, is this oh. a thing that basically makes eyewitness accounts bullshit all the time? I guess it could. Yeah. 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 Like, well, how did I bring that up? Well, that you brought it up because uh, maybe I edited it out. I hope I didn't edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> in Josh's segment last time, mm-hmm. you were talking about the Cobra effect, and you asked if that's like the Mandela effect. <laughs> oh, you did. You must have edited that out. Oh. Yeah, I think that's not in there. Big sigh. Brutal. <sighs> well, you did say that, but I remember then, that. Yeah. But so that I I did too, and now I'm doing it. So in general, it's called false memory. But 
went a commonly believed false memory amongst a group of people since 2010 has been referred to as the Mandela effect, which okay. I'll get into later. So on like the micro level individually, it's, it's, it's just a false, false memory. memory but, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, there have been a lot of studies about false memories, which are all pretty interesting, but they don't necessarily explain all the Mandela effects that you may have heard of. Oh, I have and, another uh, good famous one. Oh, it's I have, the one I, have I a lot. wait. I did bring up. I said, "Is it a Berenstein Bear situation?" Yeah. That, ah. Okay, so that was in the. Was yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That I, I thought it was. Yeah. Me asking <clears throat> about the Berenstein Bear thing. Okay. But Berenstein. I'll take your word. Yeah, whatever. that that is the Mandela effect, and I will get into a bunch of them at the end of the topic. But uh, I'm not going to give you a point because you already said that. Last oh yeah, week. no, I exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Agreed. <laughs> There have been a lot of studies about false memories, and we don't know why some of these commonly believed false memories are commonly believed. They just are, and it's kind of weird that, but before before we get into any of that, so false memories are still being studied, and there's no one theory or reason people believe they happen, but in general, what we agree upon is that false memories are made by your dumb brain, combining real memories with suggestions received from other dumb brains or a source outside of your dumb brain. Mm. Um, I feel like with the Bernstein thing, it's almost like your brain just like fills in the word that you might not be able to remember real well. Yeah. With something that sounds right. But it's a Mandela effect because that happened to so many people. Everyone thought it was yeah, E-I-N, yeah, but 100%. it's A. So uh, like an example of this, so let's say you watch Toy Story as a child and you have a memory of Buzz Lightyear and your older sibling calls him Buns Lightyear. <laughs> And you're homeschooled and you have no friends and you don't watch Toy Story again for 11 years. And over time, you forget it was ever Buzz Lightyear and your dumb brain creates false memories of the characters referring to him as Buns. And you go to college and learn it's actually Buzz, even though you distinctly remember what he's saying. Why would Sandy want you? Look at you. You're a Buns Lightyear. You got wigs. You grow in the shark. You can squawk, etc. So you make no friends throughout college. And now you've earned the name the Buns Doofus. Mm -hmm. So that's the simplest way I could describe it. Yeah, that was the most likely one to happen. When your worldview falls apart via Toy Story. So. So uh, some studies led to this conclusion that it's actually outside information leading your dumb brain astray, and it's not entirely your dumb brain's fault. In 1974, Elizabeth Loftus, who is a cognitive psychologist, conducted a two-part experiment on false memory. In the first experiment, 45 participants were randomly assigned to watch videos of a car accident, and some participants watched a collision at 20 miles per hour. Some watched one at 30 miles per hour, and some watched one at 40 miles per hour. And after the video, participants took a survey asking about how fast they believed the collision happened and like how fast the cars were going when they crashed, and everyone got the same question except the verb used to describe the accident was changed. So some people were asked about how fast were the cars going when they smashed into each other, Ooh. while others were asked about how fast were the cars going when they bumped into each other. Ooh. And other verbs were collided, hit, contacted, I assume, booped. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. yep. In all instances, it seemed the word used to describe the collision correlated to how fast the dumb brains perceived the cars to be moving. So as opposed to how fast they actually appeared in the video. So more violent words like smashed or rammed or fucked to let the participants writing <laughs> higher estimates. While gentler words like bumped or contacted or tickled led to lower estimates. Mm-hmm. 
How yeah, fast also, were the cars going when they tickled each other? <laughs> it's it's also like <laughs> it's also like um it speaks a lot to just language in general and like um the importance of being specific and yeah. um those are very related words but depending on the one you use it can have a different connotation a different impact. It's, yeah, yeah, it's like the power of suggestion. Yeah. And, yeah. And, it's like and, the lawyer's like, whole job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. When but you like, start putting in that contest, it just fucking freaks me out, man. Like people go to jail for a really long time for really dumb shit because of the way that a lawyer says something. Yeah, dad. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, your dad's he, not actually a lawyer. Is he? Not that kind of lawyer. Oh, no. Okay, no one's not ever. the kind that puts people away. For no, a long dad time. of mine is that kind of lawyer. <laughs> so the second part of the study, which I think is a little more interesting. So they had a, a different group of dumb brains, and there are about 150 participants this time, and they were also shown car crash videos, and this time they were asked afterwards if they had seen any broken glass in the video, and some people were asked if they had seen broken glass after the cars smashed into each other, some were asked if they'd seen broken glass after the cars hit each other, and then some were just asked if they'd seen broken glass without a verb describing how the two cars hit have, each other. Have you ever seen broken glass? And again, the, the more violent words led to dumb brains thinking that, yes, they did see broken glass when actually there was no broken glass in the video at mm. all. So the main takeaway from those studies is that language manipulation could totally alter someone's memory of an event. Another question that was asked in the survey talked about a non-existent stop sign where some participants were asked if they saw a stop sign, then some were asked if they saw the stop sign. And when there was no stop sign in the video at all, saying the instead of uh caused a lot of people to falsely remember there being a stop sign. Wow, that's sure. so interesting. Though I don't know if that's fair because if I were in that study and someone was like, did you see the stop sign? I'd be like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I saw the stop sign. Because <laughs> yeah, I'd like, be embarrassed. Is it, is it false memory or is it like you're trying to not seem like an idiot? Yeah, you know, exactly. Very consciously. Yeah, you but know? I feel like the people that do those surveys are not like me. So they probably. They're probably answering, honestly. <laughs> We're just complicated lab rats. Yeah. So all that has to do with presupposition, which is basically the wording of something implies a fact that can mm -hmm. affect the reader's memory or the listener's memory. So in another example I found, you could ask someone, what shade of blue was the wallet? Which translates to, the wallet is blue, mm -hmm. what shade is it? And this can affect someone's memory into believing a wallet they saw previously was in fact blue, even though it wasn't. And their dumb brain not only believes it is, but is now making up its own facts about it, like that it was navy blue or powder blue or whatever. Another theory about why false memories occur is called the skeleton theory. Recalling a memory is split up into two parts, the acquisition process and the retrieval process. So in the acquisition process, you're taking in information and forming memories. But there's so much bullshit going on all the time that you aren't actually perceiving every single thing that's happening at all times. So even in this room right now, we're all so focused on Caitlin picking her nose that we don't see Josh picking his wedgie or Joel biting his toenails. We're just getting a skeleton of everything around the main memory, which is Caitlin picking her nose. So in the retrieval process, down the line, when you go to remember Caitlin picking her nose, you might not remember Josh smelling his farts or Joel licking his own eyeballs because you weren't paying attention and your brain just paints a picture of everything else that was happening around the main memory at the time. Right. Everyone's on the same page. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's a bit of a Joel topic, I know, but 
Yeah. It is kind of. No, yeah, but it's Because it's like more conceptual. You're just yeah. not as excited about it as I would be, Chris. I'm excited this about it. This is as excited up, as Chris but, gets. But yeah, it, I don't really get excited about anything. Yeah, that's true. You, you got well, the, yeah. that's not true. You just like, your 10 is maybe like... I'm very emotive, so, you know, I go to 11. Um. <laughs> but this sometimes, uh, or this kind of reminds me of like these groupthink experiments where they would have like a panel of people in a room and then one person is kind of the test subject, so to speak. And they would put all of these different lines on a screen and be like, which line is the longest, A, B, or C? And one yeah. of them is very clearly the longest, but everyone in the room would vote for one line that clearly was not the longest. Just to see and what like, the other person does. Yeah, <laughs> and like almost 100% of the time, they would just vote for the one that they know isn't the longest, but they just see everyone else doing it. And they're That's like, so whoa, creepy, I though. gotta do it. God, I'd hate that. Oh, I hate yeah, that. Yeah, brains are easy to manipulate. People they're, they're are freaky. fucking easy to manipulate, That's dude. hilarious, God, actually. It's, like, it's that kind of stuff that like when you watch a dystopian movie and you're like, oh, I wonder what I would do in that situation. When people <laughs> break out of weird dystopian societies, you know, like those 80s, movies that are yeah that. yeah and it's always like you you think you're the one that you're you're the protagonist that'll break out but you wouldn't no, you I, wouldn't I, I you'd be just it. a cog in I, the wheels of the machine or what is that what do they say <laughs> you're truman in the truman show yeah so there are a bunch of other theories and tests that were done that all basically just point to the fact that our brains are just hunks of meat filled with electricity and they do dumb shit sometimes. So creating false memories is actually very easy to do and understandable for a hunk of meat filled with electricity. So now the Mandela effect real quick, because that, that was like the, the main thing I wanted to talk about. And then it, it's, it turns out that it's just false memory is the, the full topic. But this is the, the fun part that I like. Mm. I had to get through all that other shit. So the Mandela effect is basically just a false memory that for some reason is widely believed by a whole bunch of people, and we don't really know why that happens. It's called the Mandela effect because if you ask a certain number of people in the world, they will tell you that Nelson Mandela absolutely 100% died in prison in the 1980s, even though he lived until 2013. Yeah. So another very well-known Mandela effect is the Berenstain Bears, which Caitlin brought up earlier. And lots of people falsely remember that being Berenstein Bears with an E, myself included. Yeah, the um, same. A lot of people also remember a 1990s movie called Shazam starring Sinbad as a <laughs> <Yeah>. genie, which <laughs> never existed. No, it's Kazam. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, there's one called Kazam starring Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no movie called no movie Shazam, called with, Shazam Sinbad. with Sinbad. Oh, Sinbad, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay, but, no, but there's so many people. <laughs> yeah. So many people that remember a movie called Shazam starring Sinbad. That's or like wild. Abe Vigoda, when everyone thought Abe Vigoda was dead. But he yeah. was like, I'm not dead. Yeah. I'm Abe Vigoda. Point for Josh. Now he's dead. Two points for Josh. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> So there's a lot of interesting stuff about false memory that I couldn't fit into this topic because it just goes on and on. And I tried to include what it was and some possible explanations for it. And there's a lot more stuff like how people with childhood trauma create false memories a lot easier. And some articles go into false memory linking to better organization and creativity in people. And definitely look it all up if you're interested. But I thought instead of going into all that, a more fun way of ending my topic would be to play a game. 
where I see if any of your dumb brains believe some common Mandela effects besides Ooh, the ones I just good. mentioned. This is really oh, yes. good. Yes. I'm, so, I'm such a goddamn idiot, so this is going to be good. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to fucking nail these. Um, well, I bet I believe all of them. I want you to implant some false memories into our brains. That's what I was hoping you were going to well, do. Well, yeah. Joel, <laughs> he probably already did that, right, right dude, at the beginning of the topic, I uh-huh. bet. So I don't have to go to work on Monday, right, Chris? What's right? work? Uh-huh, that's what I thought. Nice. So nailed it. So answer all of these honestly. Okay. Uh, how do you spell Looney Tunes? L O O N E Y T O O O N S. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Or it's O O and O O. No, it's got to be right. That's what I believe. No, it's it's T U N E S. Oh man, I thought that for a split second, and then why do we see O's? Why do I see O's? Because Joel, we're goddamn idiots. I said that. I know, but like, but also it would make sense from like a marketing standpoint. Yeah, yeah, one It's because we think they're because they're tunes. They're tunes. Goddamn it! They're cartoons. They're not like music tunes. I know it makes sense, but it's it's T U N E S. All right, let's keep going. Similarly, I actually don't have this on the list because I thought it was too similar to that. But Fruit Loops. How do you spell Fruit Loops? F R O O T. Yeah. L O O T. So people, people a lot, see that a lot of people, U, yeah, a lot of people remember it because I'm seeing it with a being U right spelled now. fruit, like the way fruit is spelled. It's so cool too because it's like I can picture a Fruit Loops commercial with that fucking bird and everything. And it's, and it's still like there's a fucking U in there, man. There's and not. I don't know how, like you said, the skeleton thing, yeah. where like the whole memory constructs itself around that. So I pick out all these elements that make up a memory and then i'm just kind of like yep it's you yeah and that's, that's exactly that what is right. freaky so does curious george have a tail oh man i want to say yes but the answer is probably no the answer's gotta be no <laughs> like what's your what, like what's your just like no. i don't, rem- I don't no. remember a tail no okay he does not have a tail I'm just a, lo- picturing a lot of him, people remember I'm, a tail i'm picturing that little fucker in a raincoat he's got no tail when he's wearing a raincoat <laughs> <laughs> how do you spell febreze Oh, I couldn't tell you. (laughs) Would you want me to try? F-E-B-R-E-E-Z-E. F-A. It's not F-R-A. It's not fra, or is it fra breeze? No, I think it's (gasps) fra breeze. F-E-B. I think there's R-E-E-Z-E. two E's. Is there two E's together in there? Like a weird I think it's F-A-B-R-E-E-Z-E. Okay, so you're all wrong. Sick. <laughs> it's F-E-B-R-E-Z-E. There's only oh, one E in the middle. Oh, Fabrez. Yeah. God, that's <laughs> another one that's like 100% two E's now that in I my think about, Yeah, like now that I think about it, I've never written or typed that word before. Yeah. I've only ever said it. Yeah. So there, I have too many spelling ones, but I do want to do one more of them. How do you spell Oscar Mayer? There's even um, a song. O-S-C-A-R- M E Y E R M E Y E R. You have you have M-A-Y. differing. You have differing. It's M A Y E R. Wienermobile. It's the song. I know it from the song. It, it, it's M A Y E R. Okay. Can anyone describe <laughs> the Monopoly Man to me? When you th- picture the Monopoly Man, what do you? See? I know. Oh, I bet I know what the thing is. Whether he has a monocle or not, or a top hat. He has a top hat. Yeah, he holds the top hat. He, he, it off he has yeah, he, a top hat. He's got hat. a monocle and a bushy white mustache. No, he doesn't have a monocle. I don't think he has a monocle. I think that he, yeah, I don't I don't think he does have a monocle, but he definitely has a mustache like mine. Yeah, he has a mustache. Definitely he, he's got a mustache. He does not have a monocle. Shit. Yeah, I but, said that. Yeah, a lot of people remember him with a monocle. This is one that I totally remember thinking was real, and it shook me when I first realized oh, no. that it wasn't true. I hate this. Uh, Pikachu's tail. 
does not have a black tip. Uh, what? But I yeah, remember. Yeah, isn't it, it like a black stripe? No, there's no black on his tail at all. Is it Raichu that has that? No, oh. no, it's literally just it's just a yellow tail. That's it. It's all yellow. I remembered it being like segmented in different colors. Yeah, I probably I remember just said the that. tip of it being like a black thing. Like no, it's black, not. It's all brown yellow. The the bit. base is brown, but the whole rest of it is yellow. Oh, maybe that's maybe I flipped it, reversed it. Um, what color are C three PO's legs? What? What color are C-3PO's legs? The same gold? as the rest of him. He's gold. He has one silver leg. Get the fuck out of here. Always? Always. Nope. It's it's. It must just be the lighting. <laughs> it, I, I, liked, I did not believe that when I, looked, when I read that earlier today, and I looked it up, and every single image of C-3PO online. Now you can't unsee it. Is it very silver, clear? Oh, yeah. It's obvious. He has okay. a silver right leg. My first thought is like, well... I don't know. My eyes are bullshit, so maybe I... <laughs> they have rebuilt him like a bunch in that movie. Seriously. Yeah, but but like, I, I think at yeah, least... Sometimes the... he's exposed wires, Chris. Okay. Sometimes he's got no legs. <laughs> just not legs. He's just on a Wookiee's back. Finally, in Snow White, mm -hmm. what do you say when you're, when you're talking to the mirror? What's the thing you say? Oh, I know the answer to this one because I've studied fairy tales too much. So, boys, this is all yours. Oh, wait. So it, it's like not what we're going to say, is it? Wait, what? Almost definitely. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them? Oh, I, I say Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Right, yeah, that so works it's, too. it's magic mirror. Yes, it is. Point for Caitlin. Wow. Caitlin knew all of these basically. Which... No, it's good. No, I, but like I would have, that's different than false memory because like I remember mirror, mirror on the wall. I remember yeah. it, but I just know it's magic mirror because like I've you taken fairy bunch. tale classes in school a bunch. So yeah, but everybody remembers mirror, mirror. They yeah. say magic mirror. On really? The wall. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know what? it. <laughs> we all need to get in the habit of just saying, I don't remember. It's not that hard. Yeah. Just say it. But no, that's the thing. Like, you genuinely think you remember. Yeah, you I know. That's the worst it. part yeah. is that you're like, yeah. well, yeah, that's the memory. That's it. That's you think you're I recalling think. the actual stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fuck you, brain. So, Chris, that was a great, great time. That was awesome. I'm pretty sure everything you said was wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> I remembered it differently. <laughs> but next. Today, I'm introducing a new recurring TV series. Oh, like like, like Balloon, Talk Balloon Talk or Rock. All right. All right. And okay. it's called, with a K... Crafting with Caitlin and Chris. Oh no, oh, that's that's <laughs> not okay. Hang on, I wasn't warned about this. And it's end. like, ooh, and cue the music. Cue with a K. <laughs> cue the music, and it's it's like me and Chris when we're like we're like we're knitting. Of course. Uh, we're we're learning, but we're learning to knit together. So we look at each other and we're like, Bah! We're like we have like the yarn is just wrapped around. Yes, yeah, so we're like, like oh, how do we? How did this happen? And then lots of shrugging. And yeah. then it star wipes to the next thing where it's you and I, and we're we're making craft mac and cheese, that Ooh, kind of craft, and that's exactly. with a K too. Yes. So then we're doing that, and then uh, it's a st another star wipe into we're learning to pearl bead, pearl bead. You know? Oh, what? Wow. Remember? Do you remember like? Perler beads. Uh, Remember, you would like you, vaguely. You'd like put them in a little um, 
like a little mold and then, and then you, you heat it up. Yeah. That's what those oh, are called. Oh, wow. Yes, oh, yeah. Right? We oh, yeah. are doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm right. making Bad Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Yeah, gotta, exactly. gotta go fast. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm making a really bad Goomba from. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And so now, today, I'll be talking about a registered trademark of Kraft Foods Jello. I'm if excited did, about this. If we just did all craft products, guys, we could cover everything in the world. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Yikes. So, the branded product, Jell-O, was invented in 1897. But long before this, edible gelatin was a thing. So, gelatin as a component of food, particularly desserts, has been popular since the 15th century. Wait, hang on. I'm sorry. Did you say uh-huh. Jell-O was 1897? Yes. Wow. Yeah, so the name Jell-O, like calling it Jell-O as a branded product, was 1897, yeah. Huh. And yeah, so we had been making foods with Jell-O or, you know, just using gelatin since the 15th century and probably before that, but like it it got really popular in the 15th century. And then, of course, Victorian era New York really glamorized it and it really was a mark of royalty and the upper class to serve and consume molded gelatin, of course. And, you know, it was a host's job to serve the most ornate and complex molds, you see. And and so it comes as no surprise, my good men, that gelatin is, of course, a protein made from collagen extraction extracted from boiled bones, connective tissue, and other animal products. Because what else, I ask you, what else could be fit for royalty? Eggs. Soap. <laughs> no, boiled bones, my dear. All of the fanciest no, kings want eggs to... was a good... That was good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's an animal product. Plus, you um, can no, I was talking about the, uh, the eggs them. from your last topic from like two oh, episodes oh, ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, two, exactly. Well, they didn't consume those. Oh, Faberges. Yeah, that's what it's called. I was thinking Cadbury, but I knew that was wrong. Mm. So, I mean, you can whip eggs into like meringues, which also you can, can hold that. their shape. Yeah, that's like not very related to my topic. So you don't get a point. That's off topic. Yeah. This is a different topic. Meringues are a completely different topic. Well, yeah. For real. I wasn't Uh, I wasn't fishing. I was just (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just trying to derail you as hard as possible. (laughs) (laughs) So for a really long time, you it wasn't like available to the masses because you had to purchase it in raw form in sheets and then they had to be purified which was very time consuming and tedious and expensive and so that's why it was done by only wealthy people because they made somebody else do it they made somebody else do it and it was expensive to do because you had to like go through a process of like making it correctly and part of it was you had to cool it right and you Mm. had to like make it with hot water and you had to cool it quickly and like refrigeration as a mass thing they still do gelatin in like sheets like that like little oh yeah squares yeah yeah because um just just straight up jello is not the is not the only is not the only thing that like gelatin is used for it's an aspic is like a uh and we'll get into this later, but it's like a savory jello um, that they use for stuff. Yeah, please don't. Yeah, it sounds bad. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
Then in 1845, industrialist and eccentric beard haver Peter Cooper patented powdered gelatin, point for Joel, to be sold to the masses because it was that powdered form that they could package and sell to people. And in 1897, cough syrup manufacturer and conservative mustache haver Pearl Bixby Waite trademarked a gelatin dessert called Jell-O. And he and his wife added strawberry, raspberry, orange, and lemon flavoring to granulated gelatin and sugar. Shortly thereafter, in 1899, he sold Jell-O to food product manufacturer and absolutely no goddamn facial hair haver, Orator Francis Woodward. Orator? Yes. That's his first name. How do you spell that? It's like the person who orates. Oh, so like an orator? Yeah. But orator. Yeah, I think that's how you'd pronounce it. <laughs> but like a transformer. Or like a minotaur. I was thinking like a uh, some kind oh. of mythical beast. Oh, point for Josh. He was one. Oh, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> really? No. What? <laughs> um, Do I still get a point? No. Fuck. <laughs> so, that was uh, a bit. You don't. So, yeah. So he, in 1899... Orator Francis Woodward acquires Jell-O, and during the early 1900s, new technologies helped Jell-O skyrocket into the mainstream, like home refrigeration, machine packaging for the powdered formula, its popularity in burgeoning home economics classes, that started to become a thing, Mm. uh, and it was a thing you could teach kids to do, young ladies, uh, and something that helped it go into mainstream was their bold marketing strategy. So in 1902... Ooh, Jello, put your dick in it. <laughs> no, sadly, that hasn't been tried yet until... It's, oh, been, it's been tried. tried. Oh. <laughs> so risky. <laughs> I meant as a marketing strategy. No, it's been tried. <laughs> okay. So, point for <laughs> Josh and Chris. <laughs> we have tried. <laughs> so, Putting their dicks in Jello? Yeah. Come on. So, in 1902... Uh, Woodward's Genesee Pure Food Company, that was his food company that owned Jell-O, they advertised in Ladies Home Journal that they just straight up decided to say this out of nowhere, that Jell-O was, quote, America's most famous dessert. Um, and say that. Yeah, and so you can, yeah. due to the power of suggestion, uh, America ate that shit up, both literally and figuratively. <laughs> and they also pioneered the marketing tactic of sending out droves of salesmen out into the world and handing out free Jello cookbooks, thus encouraging people to buy the very cheap product that doesn't really go bad to use them. It's actually really smart. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, that that was, their marketing strategy was everything. So yeah, Jell-O's doing great as a dessert. And then in the 1930s, in America, a horrific and disgusting trend took off. Unfortunately, I need to get into congealed salads <laughs> or oh. aspics. Oh. These aspics. were savory jello molds. <laughs> Send me your aspics. Yes. It's, you might as well. Um, <laughs> because these are savory jello molds that included popular ingredients of the time, cheap ones like. Uh, Cabbage, celery, green peppers, and cooked pasta. Could you imagine 
Just imagine cooked pasta in Jello. I is it so it's unflavored Jello, and you just put the stuff in it, or does the right. Jello have a flavor on Jeez. its own? So aspic is aspic is just if you instead of water you use like animal Chicken stock. Broth. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, so Real you could gross. you could do that, or in response to the trend, Jello came out with savory flavors like celery, Italian. <laughs> mixed vegetable and seasoned tomato oh. um, for obvious reasons those were discontinued I'd like uh, to often. try celery yeah well, have you ever had celery soda no, no. but I, I'd like to try yeah, that yeah it tastes exactly like celery and it is really good and yeah. I don't even really like celery oh, celery is great in 1936 Jell-O came out with instant pudding which also added to the brand's popularity sales continued skyrocketing with the baby boom because it was like everybody was having lots of kids and you needed to feed them all sugar <laughs> fast <laughs> yeah, and protein like... I mean protein helps to yes up. exactly because it's grow. made of collagen exactly yeah, they need yeah. nails and they need hair unfortunately yeah Filling these kids full of fucking uh, protein, otherwise they just stop growing. Just pumping them full of hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, they sales decrease slightly in the seventies and eighties, but then Jello turns to a younger market, and they come out with Jigglers. You remember Shit. Jigglers? I just want to know when they're bringing back Italian flavor because no, they won't. <laughs> there, no plans to. Oh, pizza Jello. Absolutely oh. no plans. So the, they came out with Jigglers, which are basically just Jello molded into fun little shapes and you eat them with your fingers. And the recipe for Jigglers was included in past cookbooks. They just went back to those old cookbooks. You eat your Jigglers with a fork and a knife? No, the whole point of Jigglers is for a little kid. You You pick them up and you, no. You cut a piece off. How else are kids going to learn to use silverware if not with their Jigglers? (laughs) It's like an extra tender steak. Ew, gross, dude. (laughs) Um, So they just like went back to cookbooks they already had, found Jigglers as a recipe and just advertised it. It hadn't been advertised before as a product. And what I love about this marketing is that they literally didn't do anything or change anything about it except the images on the packaging in shapes and like the suggestion that you make it into little shapes. It's genius. Yeah. Yeah. And they probably gave you little shaped molds, but like how much of a change could that have been to include that? And I don't even, I'm not even really sure. Or they they, they actually recommend that you use cookie cutters. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Huh. I remember this. Yeah. As a thing. Yeah. Oh, I was oh gonna man, say, so I do they, too. They or they make a mold that their they shapes. Yeah. Yeah. Like where they make a mold that they then sell for more money. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, it's genius because it's free and it's just like just buy more of the yes. product and use it. Um, okay. <laughs> so the jiggler and I remember jigglers from the nineties, like and and early two thousands. Like I ate. It I was ate the best way to eat jello. You always did a double batch. You don't you don't do a single jello and eat like half semi No, exactly. Jello. Yeah, one single gross. packet of jello doesn't make very much. Technically the cups of jello were already in like jiggler mode. Yeah. You know, like kind it's a of. ultra yeah. thick jello. Yeah. Mm. Um so the jiggler campaign was a huge success. Um and by the late 1980s and early 1990s, the jello reputation was tarnished just a little bit. I don't think in a huge way, but with jello shots and the always classy jello wrestling. Um how would, how would that be tarnished? I mean, that's just a new market opened up. Exactly. Uh, there a whole you go. other yeah. level of uh, But you lose the, it was the just wholesome like, Christian Yeah, crowd. it was exactly. And point for Josh because I'll get into this in a minute, but 
They're like Jello is the number one snack food of Utah because it's so popular with Mormons. Whoa, huh. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> because interesting. it's just like it's just like <laughs> bones and sugar. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> like and they're like num 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 num. It's the Lord's. It's the Lord the, wants us to eat. The two Jesus base, the two base ingredients of a Mormon. It's <laughs> cheap and it's, it's, it's bones and sugar. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. And as of 2011, there were over. So this is not that long ago, but it's like it's the, the last Jello census information I have. Fair. OK. As of 2011, there were over 420 beer, 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 million <laughs> boxes, 420 million boxes of Jello gelatin sold and over one billion Jello cups sold in the U.S. each year. And as of 2016, there were more than 110 different products sold under the Jell-O brand name. So getting into the physical gelatin, uh, Jell-O is a powder, which is a mix of powdered gelatin, flavoring agents, coloring agents, and sugar or, or artificial sweetener. So you dissolve it in hot water, then immediately chill it, allowing it to set. Like I said earlier, it's made of animal collagen. Hides and bones of certain animals, usually cows and pigs, are boiled, dried, treated with a strong acid or base, and then filtered until the collagen is extracted. Um, so when they extract the collagen, it's dried and ground into a powder. There is a myth that it's made. Do you, does anyone else know what like it's known for being made of? The, the jelly inside of an eyeball. No, I had heard this, so really? I don't know. Um, it's okay. horse or cow hooves. Oh, like glue. Okay, yeah, no. Um, so that's not possible. Because hooves are made of keratin, it's, which is a protein that can't be made into gelatin. It's like a fingernail, not a not a bone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you dissolve the powdered gelatin mixture in po- boiling water, the way it works is the heat breaks the bonds that hold the collagen protein together. Then when the mixture cools, the collagen strands reform into a semi-solid state with water molecules trapped inside. And this is what gives it the characteristic jiggle. I don't think it's so we've been saying bones, but I don't think that's right. It's not like bones. It's like the connective tissue between bones. It's like yeah. it's like ligaments and tendons and shit. Like they're really tough. Yeah. Well, it's like boiled bones and hides and all that stuff too. So jello in culture, in popular culture. So to address the elephant in the room, yes, Bill Cosby was the jello spokesperson in the seventies and eighties. Putting pops. He's terrible. Its slogans were it's alive. Remember? Mm-hmm. And yeah. do you remember the little jingle? Put J- your dick in it. No. J E L L O. It's alive. Yay. Yes. Great job, Josh. Point for Josh. Woo. So, Jello is especially popular among members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, AKA Mormons, which, like, I think checks out, like we said earlier. There's a high concentration of Mormons in Utah, so it was nicknamed the Jello Belt in the 1990s. In response, That's what I call my belt. <laughs> Point for Joel. Um, in response, Utah learned, uh, leaned really hard into that stereotype and named Jello their official state snack in 2001, and that worked for both parties. Jello was like, sure, um, and Utah was like, sure. Um, <laughs> Jello presents a problem to vegetarians, Jewish people, and Muslim people because of its collagen base. However, you can buy vegetarian Jello desserts made from plant-based gums or seaweed. Seaweed, but, yeah, but I haven't seen those. But I'm sure you can get them in mm. specialty shops. Yeah, like agar agar is yes, like a that seaweed point for Joel. That's, uh, that makes it. It's a thickener. It's just yeah. A thickener. 
So before we round out this topic with one more little thing, uh, so while we do that, no one asked me a question yet that I assumed all of you were going to ask me. Did you bring Jello? Correct. Um, And I did. Oh, wow. We just have gotten so used to not enjoying a product. This was- Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. Yeah. That's not- That's not Jello. Yes, it is. That's not Jello. Yes, it is. Is it Jello brand Jello? No, that's snack pack. Come on, That's Kayla. different than Jello. This was the only oh, yeah. thing anywhere had. Jello is the name of the brand, like Chapstick is for lip balm. I couldn't. I thought that, but like it was right with all the Jello pudding. Does this even have gelatin in it? <laughs> they only had Jello pudding. Well, hell, you I'll can't do it. Hey, I'll take pudding. Sure, yeah, but like no, it, <laughs> I didn't bring pudding. Well, don't, off, don't offer this. us pudding if you didn't bring pudding. So <laughs> we can't eat bad. this. I mean, we'll eat we'll it. We'll eat it. No, take Fine. it back, Mom. I want the real one. But it's okay. not Jello. Uh, this was the only one they had, and I went to two different places. That's very thoughtful. That's okay. That's okay. I just thought it was Jello. And you got blue flavor. What the hell? Because is that? No, okay, no, no, I, I like blue. No, yeah. I have an explanation for that. This was not my choice. This was because this was literally the only brand and only flavor that wasn't sugar free. But this will Thanks. give us the basic um, gist of the. Oh wait, Chris. Fetch yeah. us spoons, please. Oh no, you gotta suck it out the cup. So I can't, I can't yeah. even taste this without tasting vodka at the same time. Oh yeah, so that's a that's a mini topic that I didn't really go into. I am gonna go fetch a spoon. Thank you. Oh yeah, this is seriously thick. Well, spoons well, you here. need to save some for when I talk about the final thing. Okay. Spoons here, get your spoons. Pretty so, good mouthfeel. Um, yeah, I do love the mouthfeel. Uh. So to round out the topic, I'll mention some of the worst savory jello salad recipes I could find. Mm, please. <laughs> so emerald cantaloupe, which is a carved out slice of cantaloupe filled with like a hefty slice, mm. filled with lime jello and canned pineapple chunks. E- everything else is worse. Mm-hmm. Um, ham in aspic. That's chunks of ham and cheese along with uh, green olives in jello made with uh, aspic. Absolutely not. That's. Awful. Mm-hmm. I want to die. Cottage cheese and salmon mold. Oh! Mm-hmm. So that's self-explanatory, but with... I like a, that it ends in mold. With a hard-boiled egg garnish. Oh! oh that um, makes it a little better to me. Cucumber relish salad, which is cucumber, celery, and lime jello. Jellied lamb salad, which is a rack of lamb, carrots, and capers in aspic. Sounds mm. decadent. Lime cheese salad. Oh, oh, but don't forget the mayo. On which? The lime cheese Uh-huh, salad? uh-huh. Lime cheese and mayonnaise? Uh-huh. So that's classic. Ugh. There's glass fish mold. That's canned tuna fish and pimento stuffed olives in tomato gelatin in a mold shaped like a fish, of course. Yikes. And finally, just jellied beef mold. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so. That's where you put your dick in it, right? <laughs> yes! <laughs> Point for Joel. Put your dick in my jelly beef mold. <laughs> Hello, Rupi is in the bathroom. This is the robot dragon who lives in the apartment next door. My name is Poopy. Normally I do voiceovers on the podcast. One in four experts agree starring Nick, Tom, Hal, and Kristen. But I agreed to cover Droopy while he was in the bathroom. Subscribe to one out of four experts and follow them on social media.
I am a robot. War experts. It's time for Joel and Joel's gonna go and Joel's gonna do a topic. And we all hope that Joel's topic is fun this week. I'm sure it's gonna be fun cause Joel probably went out of his way to find a fun topic like maybe... Uh, something like Go-Go's Crazy Bones, or maybe like Pogs, or maybe like Hot Wheels. Let's see what it is. So it's not. Ugh. It's not that. We'll be right back. <laughs> it's nothing, it's nothing fun. No, it is fun. I like it. I think it's fun. Well, just tell us what it is. <laughs> no, and, and it is fun. I like it. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's... Tell us what it is and we'll decide. Okay. So I want to talk about human bioluminescence. Oh that, my that, god! What? Oh, I was <laughs> so awesome. scared you were going to say centipede. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Luckily not. I'm Matt. so glad you didn't. <laughs> so did uh, did anybody know that this was the thing? No. No. Okay. Like human parts of the body glow in the dark? No, not glow in the dark, <laughs> but do produce light. Oh. Like photon particles. Like you are. Yeah. Like light happens off hmm. of your physical person sick uh so it's really cool it's actually not that complicated so i'm going to talk about bioluminescence in general first for a minute so bioluminescence is a type of uh chemiluminescence uh, or chemo chemiluminescence another type would be like the chemical reaction in a glow stick or like fireflies. Mm. Correct. So Josh gets the point. Fireflies are a bioluminescent creature. They have a bioluminescent butt. But glow sticks also do like a chemical luminescence thing. So two chemicals come together. And when they mix, light happens. And basically uh, how so, this works So what is, happens when you like crack a glow stick? Right. So you crack the small vial, which is like a, a glass vial usually inside of a plastic oh, stick. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. And I meant like, tell me what actually happens because so I don't know what, I didn't realize I was cracking a vial, dude. I'm going in, I'm going in. Here we go. <laughs> so you, you crack the stick and it breaks a glass vial and it releases a reactant, which is usually hydrogen peroxide. Is it weird that like my reaction, my initial reaction to this is like, well, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. Right, you're like, I don't want to hurt the glass. I didn't know know that's what was happening. Yeah, so (laughs) hydrogen hydrogen peroxide was released into, um, you know, the the mixture, which is actually, um, it reacts with uh, diphenol oxalate, uh, which is mixed with like a dye usually depending on what color you want it to be. And the resulting reaction uh, releases photons without producing any heat, which is usually all like the goal of any chemiluminescence is, is to do light without heat. So, mm. And they're used like in the military originally, and then eventually they became like a fun rave thing. Yeah, and or do. camping. I associate it with camping. Glow sticks on camping? Yeah. Was that a my family I used to thing? love those yeah, super dangerous so. gas lanterns where you just like crank up the gas and you light these little baskets on fire. <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking crazy. Gas lanterns are another topic for No. Oh, well, that's cool that I just learned that that was a my dad thing. Cool. Huh. Thanks, dad. So we're going to get off of glow sticks and <laughs> get back to, Do you to cry? I, I won't get off my glow stick. <laughs> it's up there. I'm not getting off. Oh, boy. 
Do you crack a human's back and then they start to glow? No, no. <laughs> there's no. There's not an instant chemical reaction. Yeah, not a mm-hmm. thing. So bioluminescence is when living organisms release photons. So it's bacteriogenic or autogenic. Bacteriogenic is when there is like some bacteria or other organism. It doesn't have to be bacteria, but it's still called bacteriogenic. I don't know why. There's some other little thing that helps produce the light. And autogenic is when the organism can just do it like on its own without any help from from some type of microorganism. So usually bioluminescence involves a light emitting molecule and an enzyme. These are referred to by their Latin names, Luciferian and the Lucifares. Both derived from Lucifer, mm-hmm. meaning Satan. Yeah. Light bringer, actually. No. Lucifer means light bringer. Uh, and we have Raphael Du Bois to thank for uh, this metal as fuck name. <laughs> he he kind of like was like, we're going to, this is a, a molecule and this is an enzyme. And one is a Luciferian and one is a Luciferase. And that's it. Something to note about the Luciferian molecules is they actually don't know how many types of them there are in the world, in the universe, in the galaxies. In the huh. physical realm. Cool. But we know that uh, Luciferians oxidize when in the presence of enzyme, the Luciferase, and the resulting reaction produces energy in the form of light. Cool. So the, again, the enzyme can be multiple things as well. It's different different things. So bioluminescence typically occurs in marine creatures. It doesn't matter if they're vertebrate or non-vertebrate. It occurs in fungi. Other microorganisms, lots of bacteria will glow. Some arthropods like fireflies like josh said and some gastropods like snails which we've talked about in this oh, podcast yeah. a couple yeah. times. They, those glowing when they fuck yeah those blue snails <laughs> when they fuck in the tree yeah they, they that must cause some type of enzymal reaction <laughs> so all these things can produce visible light but in fact Almost all living organisms produced some photons. This is where we start to get into the idea that humans can also do something or along the lines of they, they, yeah. Fucktons. Yep. That's it. Usually it's a very, very small amount of photons, right? And it's not detectable. We can't see it. Like with our eyes. Mm-hmm. Which is total bummer. But uh Is it is it found in mostly like marine life because they're when it when they're at great depths right they can't there's no light cool there's like, no light ever so they like just light up sometimes does that fish with the light bulb on it yes head is that a oh okay angler yeah. fish no angler he, he has fish. a he has a phillips what <laughs> you gotta change it every once in a while it's oh a, it's <laughs> yeah uh the way that the, the way that the human bioluminescence thing works is not like how we just described So all living organisms produce photons at a certain level. So we're all just glowing all the time. I knew it. But it's not not because of (laughs) luciferin molecules, unfortunately. It's actually because our cells are respirating, which we all know is a multi-step process that converts the chemical energy in food into usable cellular energy in the form of ATP or uh, adenosine uh, triphosphate, adenosine triphosphate. Thank you for the pronunciation, Josh. You're adenosine triphosphate, which is produced primarily by an organelle called 
flagellum. The mitochondria. Yes, mitochondria oh, the shit. powerhouse of the cell. Yeah. Not- Josh, did you like take a class or something <laughs> recently? I mean, I like science. It's Sick. cool. <laughs> but nice. that was a lucky guess. Okay. Do I get a point for that, though? Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. I was hoping yeah. somebody would say mitochondria. Because we just... talk about the powerhouse of the cell in this podcast like way too much. <laughs> Sweeping the floor with us I right am now. cruising point-wise. <laughs> so this process produces highly reactive free radicals. So just like the act of the cell producing energy and using it creates free radicals. And then they go off and they tickle some lipids and some proteins. (laughs) And then the excited molecules that are produced after that reaction, they interact with chemicals called fluorophores to emit photons. So kind of like fluorescent light bulbs work with fluorophores, I believe. But uh some interesting notes about the uh, how this was discovered. So the study that produced these findings was from a group of Japanese researchers in 2009, and they published in uh, PLOS1, which is a journal online. The study was done on five healthy males in their 20s, and their upper body was imaged with super light-sensitive cameras known as charge-coupled device cameras. The cameras has the ability to, de- to detect light levels of a single photon, which is fucking wild. They found that the face produced the most photons, so the Mm -hmm. facial regions, like the cheeks especially. And another interesting bit is that the photons were released in cycles that seem to be linked to like cellular metabolism. So during the late afternoon when your body is burning the most energy is when you produce the most light. And, uh, you know, during the night, that cycle drops down and you don't glow as much at all. And it and it's regardless of if you're awake or not. So like they left them awake in a room with lights on for 24 hours or 48 hours. And they studied that too, to see what the light and, and your body just knows when it's nighttime. It doesn't have to be. Hmm. So artificial light doesn't, doesn't do it, yeah. which hmm. is cool. So they noted that the face might be producing the most photons due to the content of melanin. And melanin fluorophores, so melanin produces fluorophores that help with that reaction that we talked about earlier. So fluorophores, to be a little bit more specific, they're like fluorescent chemical compounds that can re-emit light upon light uh, excitation. So they're bouncing around and and anything that produces even a small amount of light, they like re-reflect that back in some way to like amplify it exponentially somehow. So that's it. Basically our cells with the help of the mitochondria is uh, cranking out free radicals that interact with proteins that then interact with fluorophores that then produce photons that are emitted at about a thousand times lower than the sensitivity of our eyes. (laughs) (laughs) So the bad news is human eyes never going to be able to see it, but uh, we're always glowing. Teach me how can I like squeeze really hard and Yes. Is it kegels? Yes. The last of it's all light. about the kegels. Yep. So when my mommy says that I'm a shining star, I can be very comforted by the fact that I'm actually glowing. Sure, Josh. I need that. Well, it's that time again, friends. It's that it's the time for the last topic. And so we gather round the fireside and we settle in with our hot cocos and our just straight gin. (laughs) And we tell the tales of our 
forefathers. And Josh, what are you going to tell us about today? All right, I'm going to take us back. It's 1996. Oh, hell yeah. You're a stupid 90s kid watching the 1996 Kids' Choice Awards hosted by Whitney Houston and Rosie O'Donnell via satellite. Queen Latifah just got slimed by Mark Curry and TLC won most popular music group, which is bullshit because Boys to Men absolutely should have won. I don't know, man. TLC. But it's okay because Jim Carrey won favorite actor and Ace Ventura When Nature Calls won favorite movie and you were on board with those. Rightfully so. Your stupid 90s kid of a younger brother is in the next room futzing around with his new 90s toy. You hate that toy. It's so loud, and it demands you do so many things to it, and then it barks humiliating insults when you make a mistake. And your stupid kid brother can't seem to make it past the first five commands. How hard could it be? There are only only three things it commands you to do. You think you're... Pull it, twist it, (laughs) Mm-hmm. That's that's you're getting, gonna, you're getting ahead. You're I getting was gonna, ahead. I was gonna do this. Well, yeah, should have done it first. But you're so mad. Right? You think your younger brother might have a learning disability, and you feel a little bad. But you want to take his bop it, and you want to throw it into traffic. So I'm gonna talk about bop it. <laughs> I was gonna actually. Well, not. I actually wasn't gonna do it. But today, when I was uh, writing most of my topics, I did most of it today. <laughs> When I was talking about the cars colliding into each other, and I was coming up with fun words. Bop it. I, yeah, I was like I was, hoping you didn't I was say gonna, it. <laughs> I was going to. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't. But yeah, bop it. I know you all know what bop it is, but if you don't for some reason, bop it is a handheld audio game where players follow a series of commands which get faster as the game progresses. The original bop it hit the shelves in 1996 and had three input functions. Bop it, pull it, and twist it. But before we get into all the magical evolutions of Bop-It, let's first explore more of its origin. Bop-It was designed based on concepts originally patented by a guy named Dan Klitzner. (laughs) (laughs) The Klitz Commander. The Klitzner. The big Klitz. Klitzner has a background in industrial design and got his career started by designing toilet bowl cleaner bottles. Oh! So you know how nowadays it's got like a real funky shape that gets up under the rim of the toilet? Yeah. yeah. He designed that's that. Klitzner? Wow, that's Klitzner? That's Klitzner. Good job, That's dude. a Klitzner original. Vintage Klitzner. Wow. Vintage Klitzner. Wow. Yeah, something about it. I'm like, okay, but I can see how he designed Bop It. Right? The, the flick it yeah. thing. Yeah. That, that didn't come until later. That, yeah, but uh, so that was kind of back in the 80s. So in the early 90s, he designed a bunch of funky TV remotes known as Remote Out of Controls. Uh, and they had all uh, kinds of fun shapes. They, they, like, there was one that was shaped like a slice of pizza. There was one that was a football. And there was one that was a potato. And it was called shit. the Couch Potato. Can we get some of the... <laughs> Whoa. They're tough to find now, actually. I wants one. But a bunch of Klitzner's remote designs were picked up by Micro Games of America, known as MGA. But they rejected one particular design, which was a remote shaped and used like a hammer. So this hammer remote was called the Channel Bopper. So you would bop it to one side to go down a channel, and then you bop it in the other side to go up a channel. And you would twist. That's fun, but I can see how. Yeah, it's yeah. like oh, it's like why we remotes need a fucking handle. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> you would you would twist a little knob to adjust the volume, and you would pull a handle to turn the TV on or off, and it was shaped like a little cartoon mallet. 
kind of. So he sat on the channel bopper idea and he retooled it. So Klitzner once heard someone in a meeting say, watch the kid, not the toy, which made him think, what if the remote controlled the kid? So wait, he what? Ooh, wait, that's, wait, that's dangerous. We need to like go. That. Wait, we need to go back. I don't follow the logic. All right. So what, he heard someone say in a meeting, watch the kid, not the toy. So how is the kid like super animated when he's playing the toy or he or she is playing the toy? Or, or are they just kind of sitting down, really submersed in just the game itself? Watch their reactions. Okay, essentially. Okay. So he started but he thinking took that and thought, what if I controlled the kid? <laughs> but no, no, not someone else control the kid, but more like the, the, toy the toy controlling the kid. Yeah, the toy tells the kid what to do and it makes the kid animated because he's got to move around and do different things. So he set out to make a game that was fun to play, but also fun to watch people play. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Right? And when you think of it like that, it's like, oh, that's fucking yeah. brilliant. That's so smart. Yeah, it's like not as fun to play by yourself. No. It's way more fun to play in a group. Yeah. So at the time, games with little LCD screens were all the rage. You know, like original Game Boy, 8-bit, black and white graphics, or like Tamagotchi. So things that had that that look to it. So Klitzner, through a ton of trial and error, made a more interactive game that animated the player while using the LCD screen. But it was too hard to see the screen and swing the hammer at the same time. So he took it back to the drawing board again. So he took the input controls from the channel bopper and used them instead as actions for players to carry out according to voice commands. But at the end of the day, the core idea for Bop It wasn't a toy. It was a TV remote that got rejected initially. Mm -hmm. So he designed a prototype for the toy in 90s Photoshop and made the first model out of 90s foam and recorded his own 90s voice, except on the prototype when you messed up it was just a sample of Homer Simpson going, don't. <laughs> and the prototype still looked like a little hammer. So you would hit something to bop it. The twist it knob was in the middle, kind of, like just underneath the head of the hammer. But the pullet was still at the bottom, the blue pullet handle. The version that went to market was redesigned from the original, obviously. But on the updated version, bopping it requires hitting a big button Twisting it requires twisting a yellow knob at one end of the toy, and pulling it requires pulling a blue handle sticking out of the opposite end. Yeah. Yeah. Klitzner pitched it to Milton Bradley, which was later bought by Hasbro, and they loved it. Thus, Bop It was born. Now, two major things about the toy itself contributed to Bop It's success. First is the Bop It button. Since it was initially a hammer, you could bop on both sides of the hammer to complete the move. So on the updated version, the one that went to market, the bop it button is on both sides of the toy, which makes it easier to play with two people. So the two-sided button made the game open to more social use right there. But the other thing is the pass it command. And that kind of happened by accident. So they could only store six seconds worth of sound on the original bop it. And after all the sound effects and the music were all recorded, they had half a second left of space. So they were like, we may as well find something that can fill that. You know, if we got the space, use it. So Klitzner was like, I could say pass it in half a second. So he did. Doing that opened the game up to far more than just two players. So you could keep passing it around a circle of people uh, until some idiot named Chent which is a mix of Chad and Trent messes up and ruins the streak one short of breaking a record. Fucking Chent. Anyway, Bop It was moderately successful, 
But Hasbro thought it would fizzle out after a few years. But when sales increased significantly during the second year of production, they tapped Klitzner for more ideas. They proposed making a smaller version of Bop It, but mm. Klitzner was like, no, we got to go bigger, <laughs> bigger Bop It, bigger Bop It, but better. Two years after the original Bop It launched, Bop It Extreme hit the market. <laughs> Is that and, what they called it? Yeah, yeah I didn't wow. like it as People much. lost their shit. I had one. It was dope. Oh, yeah, I, thought it was I, I liked so it cool. better. And it had Is two... The had, one that looks like a steering wheel? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it had, yeah, yeah. It had flick, flick it, it and spin it. Yep, Chris gets a point. Love that thing. Yeah, so it had two additional commands, flick it and spin it, and it had a different shape to accommodate five commands instead of just three. So flicking it requires boinking a zigzaggy green thing, and spinning it requires whirling a red wheel. Bop It Extreme cost only $5 more than the original Bop It, but it sold 50% better. So Klitzner assumed the throne of Bop It royalty. Bop It Extreme had four game modes. Vox Bop, Beat Bop, Vox Bop Solo, and Beat Bop Solo. Oh my god. Yes! Oh my god. And you can hear the voice going, Beat Bop, Bop Solo! Vox Bop Solo! So, so wait, is that Klitzner? Honestly, I couldn't find out who did the voice for the uh, original game, but someone, uh, and I also didn't take down the name of who it is now, but they hmm. changed voice actors in like 2009 oh. or something. So with the Vox Bop modes, players are given voice commands, so it's a voice going like, bop it, spin it, twist it, all that stuff. In beat bop modes, players are only given associating sounds, and oh, they need cool. to match commands to the sounds. Awesome. So you would hear like, for twist it, mm-hmm. or for bop that. it. Yeah. Wasn't it for a pull it, it went, boop? And yeah, then and then you pull it and it goes, boo. They had like, they weren't always the same sound. It was like a, a complimentary sound. Yeah, yeah. It was like an, uh, yeah, like a, yeah. There have been many spin-offs and upgrades to Bop It. There are a bunch of different models that closely resemble the original Bop It and Bop It Extreme. So there's Bop It Extreme 2. There's a Bratz-themed Bop It. There's Bop It Blast and Bop It Download. But an updated Bop It was released in 2009 with a new optional input. Shout It. Oh. So when prompted, players yell into a little microphone on the game. Oh, uh, yeah. I've, I don't like that. I've played, <laughs> I've played that before. Yeah. It gets old real fast. They really jumped the shark with that one. <laughs> so there's Bop It Bounce, which debuted in 2010. The game consists of players bouncing balls on a little trampoline to a bunch of different game types. There are six game types primarily involving different bounce speed and bounce height. Like, how fast can you bounce balls? How high can you bounce them? All that stuff. Hmm. Then there's Bop It XT, which hit the shelves in 2011 and included another new command, Shake It. And the other huge change on this, the Spin It wheel became orange instead of red. Uh, Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah. So it's part Bop It, part shake weight yep (laughs) then there was bop it smash and bop it tetris which involves matching up colorful lights and smashing them together i was gonna say bop it smash yeah yeah you you get to you get to fuck while you bop it yeah bop it smash (laughs) bop it fuck it then we had bop it beats bop it might exist right bop it put your dick in it Then we had Bop It Beats, Bop It Micro Series, Bop It New Moves, Bop It Maker, which allowed players to record their own commands. And finally, 
That sounds That's where fucking happened. Yeah, absolutely. That was the first thing they recorded. But last but not least, Bop It Classic. What? Which released in 2019. We did it, everybody. We we lived through the circle of Bop It. We did it. I'm giving us all a point. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Bop It Classic, released in 2019. Uh, however, the new Bop It Classic looks like the 2009 release of Bop It, which was white and had a kind of triangular shape to it. It doesn't look good. Original Bop It was a sleek fuck machine. That thing was <laughs> awesome. And the new one just, like, doesn't do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. I can't even picture that I, one. Uh, yeah, I, I, haven't, I feel like I haven't seen it until triangle. I looked it up, and I was like, that is... Absolutely not. So can I add something real quick? Please. I already looked it up because the second you brought it up, I, I went on to Amazon. I hopped on there to see if I could buy one right now. You could. You could, but- it's ugly. So, well, yeah, so I, they have the original ones on here. A Bop It Extreme is going for $197 right now. I don't Amazon. buy, I don't I don't think that one's legit. <laughs> Something's weird about that. Because I saw that too when I was researching my topic. Uh, Walmart, like on Walmart. Walmart is selling it yeah, for $188. That's I think that's a up. glitch because everywhere else they're like 35 bucks. Yeah, I'm looking at one right here that says 16 bucks on eBay. So Let me see it. Is that the same? It's on e- oh, it's, it's used though. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Someone's dick has already been in that Bop It. <laughs> There were also some sister toys to Bop It, like Zing It, which was a yo-yo version of Bop It. Oh, yeah. I've tried that. It's not like a regular yo-yo. It's like a cool yo-yo. It, no. it, it um, always no. comes back to it's, you. It's, it's, it's like circular. It's not a yo-yo shape. It's like a, it's a ball. It was, you... it, but there was like a button on it. One of the commands was still Bop It. Yeah. But it yeah. was like you couldn't not yo-yo it. You know yeah. what I mean? It yeah. would always come back to you when you threw it down. Yeah. Then there was Top It, which is like a ball in cup kind of game. And then Torx, which was two bendable arms that players needed to configure according to commands. And then there's Groove It, which is like a guitar version of Bop It with a photo detective fretboard of sorts. Hmm. So there was a Bop It knockoff released by MGA which was the company that initially rejected the channel bopper. Of course. They made their own version of Bop It. Yeah, the shitty knockoff. Uh, they released it in the UK in 1999, and it was called Super Click It. Oh, uh, my God. That's awful. It was also produced under the name Bonk It. <laughs> and, and, I like Bonk oh, It. You'll like this then. So it had five play actions. Squish it, zip it, <laughs> twist it, blast it, and crack it. <laughs> blast it. Blast it. Like... <laughs> was the song the same? Zip it, squish it. No, they. It was like very different. Pass it. Da-na-na-na-na-na. Oh, it looks, it looks so shitty. Yeah, it it's looks so bad. So bad. Whoa. And it Chris, sounds. Look it up. It's so the twist it knob is just like it is embarrassing. It looks like a mutant. <laughs> but yeah, like Bop It brand. Bop It makes the best. Bop It. So nowadays, oh, wait, what do you it. do with blast? It? Yeah, I yeah, right. Know what happens? I can't. Yeah. You fig- stick your fingers. Yeah, yeah. I honestly can't figure out what blast it is. 
Super click it. Nowadays, Klitzner proudly leads into the fact that Bop It annoys the hell out of most people, and he happily refers to it as the world's most annoying game. So I guess I Bop disagree. It appeared on The Simpsons. Yes. So Bop It, yeah. So um, that was because he met up with Matt Groening at some point, and he was like, you know, Homer going dolt was part of the prototype. Right, and right. he was like, whoa, I love Bop It. So he put it in the show. So I le- most of the information in there came from this video, which was just Dan Klitzner giving a presentation a few years ago somewhere, just talking about how Bop It came to be. Hmm. Yeah, he's a super interesting guy. He seems super quirky, but super cool. And uh, the way he thinks is wild. And he is very aware of how crazy the fucking TV remotes were. He was like, why would anybody buy this shit? <laughs> I mean, I want the pizza one, but. Do do the impression of. <laughs> do it the same, but uh, better. Score. And then the score would go. I can't do the sounds good. <laughs> experts. Oh, hey, gang. Welcome back to the show. Um, this is the end of the show. This is you missed it. It's over. Uh, but uh, we all did topics so you can go back and rewind to the beginning and listen to it um we uh got points we get points throughout the show and and josh keeps track of them what do we get josh points last place caitlin hell yeah holding down the fort holding down the fourth yeah with two points chris third place with three points okay joel second place with five points wow josh me first place with Eight points. Wow, that's the most points I ever did. Got that's a lot. So Josh, that means Josh goes first next week. That's what that means. Yeah, nice. And uh, at the end of the show, we like to thank a couple of people. We like to thank Jeremiah for doing our artwork, which is real nice. We like to thank Chris for doing all the production work and all the sound effects and all the fun noises that you hear, uh, which are the sound effects. So there's that. Uh, He also edits the bad stuff out and uh, sometimes puts the bad stuff in keep most of the bad stuff mm-hmm. uh and then we like to do a little thing where we talk about what's going to happen next week next week next week i'm going to talk about how you can make a fancy little soup it's a cold soup like a gazpacho and uh it's actually not tomato based like a gazpacho it's actually uh dragon fruit based it basically boils down to a caramel. I'm going to do handmade underwear with uh, angel hair pasta. (laughs) You just kind of weave it. Next week, I'm going to turn the lights off and we're all just going to feel around to see see what there is. Next week, I'm going to punch a hole in the wall and you're not going to believe what we find in there. (laughs) Oh, boy. This is Chris's room, so. Mm, Yeah. Well. Not my walls, though. He's not going to be real happy about it when he finds what's been. Living in my walls. mm, Yeah, well, are they living in your walls or are you living in their mouth? (laughs) Next time on (laughs) One One Out of four. Four.
Whoa.